Life is a blank canvas and you paint your own story. I'm Lee Rogers and welcome to The Blank Canvas. I'm going to be chatting with the trailblazers, artists, thought leaders, athletes, the entrepreneurs and creators, incredible individuals who inspire us to live large. G'day guys, nice to have you back for another episode. You know that thrill when you discover a new band or artist for the first time and and you just know there's an X factor there? You saw it and you feel like you're now part of their journey? Well, I got that feeling when I met entrepreneur Marty Fox. He's got movie star swagger, bag loads of charisma, and he's throwing it into the real estate space in a way that's never been done before. Marty's two companies, White Fox Real Estate and White Fox Marketing, have disrupted these ultra-competitive industries and are blazing a new trail. In fact, Marty's now one of the most sought-after voices in real estate in the country, and his marketing company is going global. At just 32 years of age, he's certainly a man on a mission, but he's also a down-to-earth family man. Marty's also giving primetime TV a crack, because why wouldn't you with a face like that? He's on this series of The Block, representing Harry and Tasha's house number one, and will be auctioning the property live on the season finale, November 21, on the Nine Network. Please welcome to The Blank Canvas, Marty Fox. Marty Fox, good morning. Good morning, Lee. How are you? Very well, thanks. My old neighbour. <laughs> Mate, I was thinking about this uh, this morning and it occurred to me that when I was a kid, my parents used to say to me all the time and to my brothers, oh, don't worry about him. He's going to be a real estate agent or a real estate salesman to me because yeah. I was just a, a relentless kind of chatter and when I wanted something, I'd just keep chipping away. This is what they said. I don't even remember this. I'd just keep chipping away this angle, that angle, another angle, just until I got, you know, whether it was a new pair of sneakers or whether it was to, you know, take me to the beach for a surf or whatever it was. But it was always real estate. And it <laughs> it made me laugh because I kind of, I never really had any interest in real estate as a kid. And it wasn't until I was a parent, like, you know, in my late 30s that I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> real estate's important and having a roof over your head and all of those things. And I've, I've become, uh, you know, sort of a lot, lot more interested in it and found it a fascinating space. But um, yeah, I went, I was far more interested in storytelling and marketing and filmmaking and all of these things. But what I loved about you and your journey is that really you've sort of approached the real estate space from a marketing and, and in, in a way, a storytelling space. And you've completely disrupted it and turned it upside down. And um, I don't know, it just really appealed to me. So, I was looking forward to having this chat. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's, a, it's a beautiful industry. It's a really hard industry. But if, um, if you tackle it the way that, that I have tackled it and, and made it into a lifestyle and, and really just changed things that were you know, considered to be the norm, it's, uh, it's been far more exciting. So, I've absolutely loved it. it you know, it's been 11 years and it's, uh, I couldn't think of doing it any differently than how we are. That's, that's very cool. So, Look, you, you went to uni, you did a degree in commerce and marketing. At that time, were you thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to apply this to real estate or how did you wind up in it? Not at all. 
after finishing university in New Zealand, moved back to Melbourne. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, her father was running quite a successful business and we had a family dinner and a few times he said, geez, Marty, you would be so good in real estate. And after I, I didn't get probably my, my 15th job application, uh, he just said, why don't you come in, be our office schlepper, as he, uh, as he called it. And uh, I caved in and I said, fine, you know, I'll start. And that was, that was life-changing. I, I moved into a really high-performing office. And I think that's really important. Not many people had that exposure or have that exposure when they do get into real estate. I, I went into one of the top, top firms at the time. So in terms of my hours on ground, I was able to see so many different styles within that office. It was a big office. And that first year um, was incredible. I was thrown in the deep end and I could see a lot of um, really good traits in, in these agents. But after a year, my entrepreneurial brain just went, something's not right here. You know, these agents, they're saying that they're going to do things, but then they don't do them, such as getting back to people, following up, you know, being like what you said, persistent. And it was really because they didn't have enough hours in the day to squeeze in to get back to people. And I just went, there's an iPad that's just come out. I was 21. There's these things called apps. Surely I can try and build an app that makes it easier for these agents to get back to people. And I then started a company called Touchbase, which was the first ever open for inspection and auction reminder software in the industry. So at 22, I packaged it up, designed it up, had it working, did a beta test, ran it live within the marketplace. And about six months later, I ended up selling that company to the Institute of uh, Real Estate for Victoria. So for then the next two years, I spent you know a couple of years teaching agents how to be more effective in communicating using technology. So I got into the industry, found a way out of the industry, which then gave me uh, and, and my now wife or girlfriend at the time funds to start doing property flipping. So it was an, an, an amazing road to market of the first business startup was a success. It then showed me another angle within the industry, which was behind the scenes and teaching agents so I could see how these other businesses were operating. And then it gave me time to actually miss cutting those deals. So once that had finished, I then went back into real estate. So yeah, it was a very special time in those you know, 21 to 23 um, years of age. Wow, talk about hitting the ground running. That's incredible. Oh, mate, it was it was insane. <laughs> That's awesome. So, look, the real estate space, often integrity and credibility in that space is question. You know, there's a bit of an ongoing joke of, you know, secondhand car salesmen and real estate agents and salesmen. I mean, I know you. I've hung out with you. I've met your dad. I've met your wife. You're a solid family man. You're actually, although you've got you're the like, the real estate rock star, you're actually very down to earth and have great integrity. So clearly you've brought that to the space, but I, I know there's a lot of temptation in that business to lie, to you know, do certain things to improve a sale, get a bigger price, all the rest of it. How have you, you know, yep. kept your integrity intact and with your team um, in that world? Look, I, I, I saw... <laughs> Thank you, and, 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 and it is true. I mean, I try and just be as real as possible, and I feel that it all comes down to the personality within. Real estate's got a very low barrier to entry, and that's quite a problem. If you had to actually study to get into it, like why is it that you need to go to university like what I did for four years to be a product manager of a shampoo or Pantene or something, but yet you can do a two-week course and represent somebody's $5 million asset? For me, that makes no sense. 
And real estate, to be in that top 1%, you need to be financially minded, um, emotionally you know, intelligent. You need to be able to be patient. You need to be able to be quick on your feet. You got to be great with numbers, great with marketing. It actually takes quite a lot of different skill sets combined to be at you know a very good level within real estate. But yet they've made it so easy to get in. And I and I feel like when I did get into real estate, I would sometimes be a little bit embarrassed, you know, going to you know parties or so forth in my early twenties. And oh, oh, Charlotte's you know boyfriend. Oh yeah, he's a real estate agent. And and for somebody that had studied, you know, it it did take me a while to feel confident in just saying that this is what I, I've chosen to do. Um, because had I been a lawyer or a dentist, automatically it's respected because of the time that it takes to get to that level. Um, and I think that's been the biggest issue with real estate and why there is so many rogue agents. And, and don't get me wrong, there's a, a, a thousands of great agents, but it's because of the barrier to entry that's given us that reputation. Um, and all I saw in the marketplace and why I wanted to start White Fox was around 85% of the properties that were sold over $2 million dollars when I looked at those agencies that were working within that space, they were all suit and tie. They were all heavy in print media. They were all auction prone. They were all quite rigid. None of them did social media. None of them did any video content. So I thought to myself, these people that are selling these multi-million dollar homes, at some point in their lives, they had to think outside the square. They had to think, okay, I'm gonna do something within my business to get to the next level, which is why they were successful in their own rights. And I wanted to appeal to that demographic, not the ultra conservative, but for the ones that thought this guy's doing something different. Because a lot of the time, a lot of these clients say, God, you remind me of me when I was your age, or you remind me of me when I started my business. And as soon as someone says that, you know, they they want to back you. And that's what we did. We we brought heavy video content in, heavy social media, dropped the suit and tie, would list and not auction everything. We'd only be specific with those that we knew that would fly. And we also had a financial background whereby we read the numbers really well. If there's a 65% clearance rate in 2017, how could I say to you, Lee, let's auction your property with such a large margin for error on a pass-in? So we were just speaking a different language and then through you know that imagery, that style, and then off the back of those successful results, a brand was born and the consistency within it because of my marketing background is what then solidified the fact that we weren't just, you know, we were the underdog in the first couple of years, but you can only ride that underdog momentum for so long and you either conform and you become the safe agency or that underdog turns into that market leader where I truly believe we're now getting to because, you know, like with COVID, a lot of people just shut up shop and retreated and they sat back, whereas I saw that as an opportunity to propel what we could do through video, through Zoom, through negotiation, through bringing the personalities of the people within the business to the forefront and use that time when everyone's glued to their phones at home on the couch in lockdown to continue with the content, continue to push and actually get some results in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. So that's where I feel that we as an agency and, and, and me as, a, as an industry leader within this sector have really solidified our position that we're not going anywhere and that we are leading the pack. Mate, it's incredible what you've done this year. I've, I've watched and um, 
you know, it's been a head-spinningly difficult year for everyone and it's been <laughs> we've all been pivoting and, you know, doing what we can, but I've really enjoyed watching how you, how you adapted, how you continued to pump out the content, you know, whether you're in a good mood, a bad mood, whatever was happening that day, you just kind of, you, you were very public in how you approached it. And obviously there's a real risk in doing that. If, if you win, you come out and, you know, you're like a, you're, you're a star, but if you fail, it's so public and it's going to be messy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, um, you, you need to risk uh, anyways, it. You need to risk it to get the biscuit, Lee. <laughs> That's right. So no, well done on this year. And look, what's interesting is in a very short space of time, you've gone from being the underdog to, you know, suddenly you. I'd say you are the market leader in the way you are marketing and. Um, doing your business as as a real estate company. Um, but so quickly you've gone from underdog to the tall poppy. So how's the how are you handling the pressure of that and how are you going to ensure that your team as you're expanding continues to deliver without you being able to sort of be over every single facet of the business? Yeah, it's, it, look, it's a really good question. It's a question that a lot of business people struggle with, which is scale. Um, and it's something whereby if you do scale too quickly, you can sort of unravel. Um, and I did find that in the first couple of years, you know, people saw us doing these, um, you know, doing amazing business and we would bring on people and I probably took them on too, you know, prematurely. Whereas through COVID, along with the marketing side of the business, I also focus on building out internal departments. So, you know, White Fox Apartments, White Fox Property Management, White Fox Developments, White Fox Peninsula. Um, and giving people within the team ownership of those divisions to lead and inspire the people under under them. So, what I've been able to do is focus on, you know, coaching. So going from going from player coach doing all like majority of the deals to really trying to be just the coach and the quarterback that can line up the deals and educate and strategize individually on these properties, which. That's actually now given me the ability to scale and put these incredible department heads in the business that uh, that have all grown, you know, organically from from their initial inception into the business into these roles. And I think that's that's what's making it a little bit easy and what's giving us this scale now. Um, you know, we've brought on ten new staff members in the last three months, um, and it's because I've been able to do it in a way where it can be scaled with trusted people and it not be all on my shoulders. And I think that's what's what's been the key to, to COVID. It gave me the ability to sit back and think of the people that were in the business that could step up to a level of responsibility to continue our tone of voice, our content strat, and adhere to, you know, being themselves but within a framework. And I think that's really important. I don't want 50 Marty Foxes running around. I want 50 people that are owning who they are with this brand backing them. That's the key. People buy into people, and if they happen to have a beautiful brand and, and great marketing around them, that's a bonus. And also technology. Technology was key in COVID as well. You know, so as soon as, as soon as they shut us down and said that we couldn't do opens, and as soon as they said that was it, people really did stop. Whereas what we did is we looked at the list of all of our listings, contacted the owners that were living within these properties, and we said, "Hey, Lee." You're stuck at home, I'm stuck at home. Your property's on the internet and there's people that have sold that still haven't bought. Why don't we collaborate even further and why don't we just practice a few run-throughs? 
put your phone on the side, turn your airplane mode on, hit record, let's jump on a Zoom. You walk me through your home whilst I narrate over the back of you. So literally, you're doing the open, I'm doing the voiceover. And what was really key about it, everyone loved it because they were bored. So we did over 40 sales in COVID stage four by collaborating and thinking outside the square. And look, there were some properties that did not sell, but that owner could see how we were talking to the market, buyers logging in, and they could see how well we knew their properties and how we could flow and present. A lot of this job is also presenting confidently, eloquently, being able to close on the spot, being able to build that level of excitement over a screen. And the deals that we did, literally, they go into like legendary status for, for that client. Like they're going to dinner parties going, Marty just sold this house <laughs> over Zoom. They haven't even seen it. They've signed the contract subject to a building inspection, subject to a satisfactory inspection. And that happened. And these are million dollar properties and it worked. So, it's also utilizing what you have, being pushed into a corner and either retreating or thinking yourself out of it and coming through stronger. Impressive, mate. So tell me at the start, when you got your first property to list, like how did you convince somebody to give you a you know, million dollar property to be responsible for and sell when you're like, what, 22, 23 or something? Um, I get asked this a lot by new agents and they always say, well, what would you do if you were coming into the industry now? And all I ever say is I can only give you the advice that I did because I, I don't know any other way. And my advice is always to go into a, a very busy office so that you can see a lot of different traits in, in successful agents. Look at, you know, four or five of them and just see how they speak, pick up their, their, their language and see how they time things. Life's about timing and so is a negotiation. You can't come in too hot. You can't come in too slow. There's a bit of a balance with everything. Um, but to convince somebody to, to actually list their, their asset with me at such a young age, and I did 46 sales at 21, of which 21 of that 46 were my listings. Literally, they signed up with me, which is unheard of. That first year was mental. And I would say to people, I'd say, Lee, look, I know that you've spoken to this agent and that agent. However, I know that that agent's got about 20 staff and I know that agent's got three kids and I know this agent's doing this, that and the other. I'm 21. All I'm doing is renting an apartment in Alwood. I've never bought. I've never sold. I've got a girlfriend, but I can assure you I'm very hungry. And all I'm going to do is live and breathe, getting you the best result because if I do that for you, it's helping me get to where I need to on a professional level. I can't succeed without you being successful. So, jump on. <laughs> no, that's that's great. That's fantastic. It's the motivation behind why you're wanting to succeed. So, if the motivation is there because of something bigger than the financial benefits, then they know that the hunger is going to be there to succeed. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, I've seen you in action and I've seen you with your family. You're, you know, you're a busy guy, but you're a hands-on dad. You look like a guy who likes to help people. I've seen you, you're training, you, you, you're doing all kinds of things aside from running a successful business. Was this a conscious decision or was it something that you've just, I don't know, you get a kick out of helping people and putting a smile on their face and setting them up with their dream home? What is it, do you think? that is your innate purpose. Look, I'm, like, I'm not going to lie, like, I'm not a big charity guy. Like, that, that's not who I am. But for the people that are around me, I, I care for them dearly. I'll do anything for those that are close to me, which is 
my immediate family and my staff and my friends and my clients. Like a lot of my clients become my friends. I'm not going to say 100% of them, but there's a very good, you know, portion of those clients that I work with either buy or sell to that, you know, over the years, you know, we're going to kids' birthdays, we're going to weddings, we're, you know, we, you, you connect. And that's what I find is really special with real estate. You get to see the truth behind who these people are because whether you're buying or selling, it's either birth, death, marriage, financial gain, financial loss, relocation, you know, there's only so many things that cause you to need to sell or buy. And each one of those steps is is quite stressful and emotional. So after a couple meetings, you get the raw version of people, which means that you get the real version of them. If you're selling a car or you're you know selling something like you know that's a, a, that, that that's not that emotionally connected to that family, you don't get the real versions of them. So I'm very privileged that when I do deal with people, I get the raw shit, and I love that. And that's how you know we connect. But in terms of you know helping. You know, when I when I was living um, in in my previous home that had the the gym set up and the pool and and you know all of that sort of crap, I made it so that every day someone would come and train. That would be my one on one time with them to see how they are, how they're feeling, what they're doing, if they need help. So I was killing two birds with one stone. You know, you're bringing people into a period of time, five thirty till six thirty when the kids are sleeping. I'm not losing quality time with them. I'm not losing quality time with my wife. I'm seeing people nice and early, start of the day, they're coming in, they're giving me energy, I'm giving them energy and we're training, everyone's getting high on endorphins, they go to work, I go see my family and go to work. So I'm strategic with, 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 with when I'm helping people so that I'm then not you know, losing time with, with my kids and my wife. And that's why I feel that I can fit so many things into a day because I'm just smart with time and no matter how successful you are, no matter how much you try, you cannot buy time. So if you're not effective with it, then you're losing the most valuable commodity on the planet. Makes sense, mate. Thanks for that. Hey, um, something I read in an interview with you is it said you don't read books. I know you're a busy guy, but normally when I hear that, I'm kind of suspicious of people that say they don't read books. So I know, I know. I know you've I know you've told us you you, you know you've you've learned from the other agents you work with and all of that. But where do you go? I mean, obviously there's the internet, but why don't you read books? And if you don't read books, where do you gather your insights, inspiration, wisdom? You know, blah blah. So it's funny, like a lot of it. And I had this conversation yesterday with my business partner in White Fox Marketing, which is a you know full service marketing agency. And we were laughing. We're having a FaceTime before bed last night. And I was like, Aiden, do you know what was really weird? And he goes, well, I said, do you know that if someone came to me and said, hey, Marty, look, we really love you guys at White Fox Marketing, but my other business partners want to go elsewhere. You know, could you give us a recommendation on another agency? I said, Aiden, I don't even know the name of another marketing agency. Like, I'm so oblivious to the industry, I could not refer somebody to another agency for marketing. And I was like, isn't that weird when we are, you know, we've got 13 full-time staff, we're busy, we've got over 75 clients around the world, but I'm so focused on my lane, I don't, I don't know where to refer them to. I said, doesn't that just show that you don't have to worry about the noise around you and what other people are doing? If you just believe in what you're delivering, and your clients are buying into it and you're doing a good job, that's that's really all that matters because I feel that everyone's looking on Instagram. Everyone's looking at, you know, what's this guy doing? What's that guy doing? Oh, how can I do that? If you just go with what's in here, you can still be very successful 
and not have all that noise to make you feel like you're not doing the right thing or doing the right job. And I just find it fascinating that that's, that's how my brain works. So, in terms of where I get the inspiration from, I'll speak to my wife or I'll speak to my mum or I'll speak to these really good compasses within my life that pull me in. And don't get me wrong, sometimes I, I, I can get off course and think this or think that and they just snap you back. Um, a book can't do that for me because I'm more visual and I, I need to see and I need to speak. Um, and I don't really like alone time. My alone time is when I'm sleeping. I love people and the energy that I get from people. So, I'll ask a lot of questions. If I'm going to get advice on something within my industry, I won't ask someone from the industry. I'll ask from somebody outside of the industry to get a different perspective. Like, I'll never go to a, an agent for advice on real estate. I'd go to a lawyer. I'd go to a you know, a, a creative. I'll, I'll go to somebody totally irrelevant to try and get a different perspective. And I've always been like that, always. It's a bit weird, but it works for me. It works, mate. No, it's interesting. Love it. Hey, um, any entrepreneur goes through hell in building a business, any small business owner, any entrepreneur. I mean, it's a bumpy road. It's not for the faint of heart. Give us an insight into a spectacular fail and a time you were overwhelmed and what you did to dig yourself out? Um, off the top of my head, there's been a lot of little failures, but nothing that's been monumental. Um, whilst I'm very off cuff, I'm also quite prepared for anything that was, you know, a big negative. And if there was ever a negative within starting a business or a situation, I've now learned through life after 33 years on the planet, most negatives turn into really big positives. If you've got the mindset to just shift focus and understand that that negative came to you because it's then changed a different angle of how you need to do something. So, for me, I like, and I think it's a mindset of, I think of the successes more than the failures. Um, and as an entrepreneur starting a business and, and it's hard, you're constantly trying to to keep everything going and you're responsible for so many people. So, it's not for the, you know, the weak-minded. You have to be very, very strong with pressure because there's so many people reliant on you, not only your clients, but then your staff members. And starting a business, a lot of entrepreneurs will tell you that it's hard to get funding. Um, you know, this business, the banks wouldn't give any money um, because imagine, you know, a 27-year-old going to the bank saying, look, I want to start a, a real estate agency in Melbourne, um, this, that, and the other. And they just go, why are you going to be any different? So, you know, that wasn't an option. And a lot of entrepreneurs will tell you that they've had to start their own businesses by taking money mortgaged against their own properties or, you know, had to borrow money from somewhere to make that work. And then once you've got a few runs on the board and you've made it work, it's then all the processes, you know, making a business works about sales. It's about revenue. But if you haven't got the back end absolutely squeaky clean and polished, you can really unravel. And I think that's why so many businesses start and then they don't succeed because all the money's been put into the front end and not enough in the back end. We have shown a really polished facade, but I can assure you that what's happening in the back end is even more impressive than the front. You know, we've rewritten the rule book on administration, you know, how administration staff are, are remunerated, you know, how they're employed how we function in the back end across the marketing business, how that cross-pollinates into the real estate business, how we take on clients and what it costs for them to go to market. There's so much that's being done in the back end that 
no one will ever know until they actually step foot into this business. And I think if you speak to most successful entrepreneurs, they will tell you it's what you don't see that counts. It's what you don't see after hours. It's what you don't see in the preparation. It's what you don't see in the problem mitigation that is what is the success behind that brand being powerful. Makes sense, mate. What do you do when you're overwhelmed? Um, well, and it's actually really interesting that you bring it up now because I feel really, really overwhelmed at the moment. Um, you know, I had, it's like I got this little point system in my head whereby if something good happens, you know, I'm in the positive. If something bad happens, bad being could be a little argument, you know, at home or it could be, you know, I didn't go for a run that day. It could be a really bad meal or it could have been maybe too many beers when I should have had one, I had four. You know, like, there's things that are positive for you and things that are negative for you. Um, and how I'll do a lot of that balancing was actually in the house that we just sold. You know, it had that home gym. It was easy. I didn't have to drive. I'd be able to sit in the spa. Kids would go down. My wife and I would sit there and we'd think and we'd talk. You wouldn't be glued to the TV because you were in the water. Um, you know, we'd have an infrared sauna upstairs. And they were all the things that were good for the mind and the soul to just sit and stay calm and, you know, do what you needed to do with very limited time to go out in the world and do things with places that are shut. And at the moment, since selling, obviously, you know, we're looking forward to moving into this place that we're renovating at the moment. But in the interim, we're in a small property that we're renting on a short-term basis. And trust me, there's people in much worse situations, but I'm just being honest with where I'm at now. You know, there's none of those luxuries. You know, there's none of those things. There's no internet in the house because we thought we're only here for 10 weeks. We're not going to do anything. So, there's, you know, four of us living on top of each other without those stress releases like the gym, like the pool, like the spa, like the sauna, all these things that would then put me into, you know, balance out the deficits to then come back in centred to start the next day. And right now, after three and a half weeks of it, haven't had a lot of that. You know, yes, I've been able to go for a run here and there and everywhere, but what I've come from to where I am now, it's pretty full, like, you know, it's not that bad. Like there's people that are on their, you know, on, on their deathbed. But in terms of answering your question, how do I de-stress and recharge? Well, I actually haven't been able to recharge properly for three weeks. And I can tell you now, I'm feeling it. And I've only got four weeks to go, but it's a serious thing. And it's made me more aware of people that didn't have those luxuries that I had. You know, this feeling that I've got now, it's, it's concerning. You know, if this was like prolonged and and you weren't able to hit that pressure valve to release like for me it's not reading a book i can't read a book and relax yeah but i definitely can do those things that i've mentioned earlier and that did release it so it's never been more front of mind for me now how important it is to have those things within your life that actually do really bring you back down to to that calm state of mind makes sense mate Mm. Yeah, well, I know you've got a couple of young kids and they're awesome, but they're full on. And so, <laughs> oh. you know, it's like you finish your work day and then you're on dad duty and it's, you know, it's uh, it's a 24-7 thing with a couple of young kids. Um, yeah. And particularly with the whole COVID thing of this year, that's added extra uh, difficulty in wrangling them. I mean, I've been thankful our daughter's 16 and you can have the conversation as to, you know, why you're wearing a mask and all the rest of it. But yeah, with young kids, it's kind of like, what? We can't go to the playground? <laughs> no, I, yeah, but, 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 but on the same token, there is a benefit because they don't really know. Right, so, right. they won't really remember what's happened. I think it would, it would be really hard for those kids and the parents out there who's, you know, kids are maybe like, you know, in grade four, grade five, grade six, that yeah. so much of their, um, their learning and interaction and, and all of that was so disrupted. That's just devastating. I mean, 
for Freddie, who's at kinder, I mean, he's gone to the kinder that I went to kinder at and I've never been allowed in to have a look around. Like, it's a bit weird. Yeah, and yeah. they had their first school photos the other day, couldn't go have a look. Like, yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah. This whole COVID's taken... Look, it's taken people's lives, but then it's also just taken people's ability to, you know, look at some cool little moments within their kids' lives. But you got to adapt. you got to just take it on the chin and understand that, yes, it's bad, but... It could be worse. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Well, um, good job with Charlotte, mate. She's a wonderful woman and a, a, a great, uh, great mum, great wife, and, and no doubt a rock for you. Yeah, no, she's, um, it's funny, I always say to people, like, I love changing so much things. Like, I'm, I'm a gypsy, I'm always changing things, changing properties, flipping, moving, you know, cars, this, that, and the other, but she's, uh, she's the constant. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think I'm lucky because her dad, you know, was was such a, a successful businessman and, and, and agent. So she knows what's required to be very good in that field. Um, so she understands what I've had to do in order to make sure that this brand was successful. So she's very understanding, very calm. Yeah. She's a Taurian. Yeah. Strong. <laughs> No, that's awesome. And your dad, who I've met, charming bloke, hairdresser. So it's kind of, um, well, I guess the, something that hairdressers have is their ability to communicate and, um, you know, the gift of the gab, I guess, the best ones. They know how mm. to interact with, you know, many different types of people. Well, I see them as free psychologists. <laughs> Everyone tells the hairdresser everything and they just sit and nod and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they hold people's attention for hours on a cut and colour. And my theory was my dad had a, a motorbike accident about a year ago. He started getting, you know, really sore in the arms. Blow waving was getting a bit tough. My dad's as funny as they come. And he's young. He's, he's, he's early 50s. And I just said, Dad, you know what? Come be an agent. You've been cutting hair for 35 years. You're great with people. You can think on your feet. I think you'll be amazing. And he, uh, he actually sold his third property this week. And he's, he's loving it. And he's got that mindset as well. Mum and dad... They, they both are very positive people. They're not, um, they're not delusional. Like, you know, they get angry here and there and just like normal people, but they're up and about. They're the life of the party and people buy into that energy. This is an energy game. You know, anyone in sales, people buy into the energy and then the product's secondary. So, for me, it was a no-brainer for dad. And I think he's, you know, he's found his career for the next 20 years. Yeah, that's- Without a, a doubt. That's awesome. Mate, um- you're involved with The Block at the moment, the TV show, obviously. Um, I'm sure that's a pretty intense experience. How has it been for you? Uh, you're right. Well, the thing is, is because of COVID, it's really changed how it's been done. I mean, you look at all the years of The Block opens and you've got tens of thousands of people going through these homes and we haven't been able to do that because of COVID. So, if anything, whoever buys these houses is going to get like a house in great condition because it hasn't had thousands of people trampling through the carpets and stuff. Look, the auction's next week. I don't know how much I can give away because it is Channel 9 and there's NDAs and so forth, but I can assure you, you have to watch it because it will be an auction environment like no other. And I can't wait to just get thrown into the deep end in an environment which is odd uncharted and i'm gonna hit a home run <laughs> it's gonna be full on it'll be very it'll be very very weird 
Well, this ep is out next Monday, so the auction's uh, <laughs> the auction's about five or six days after this ep goes live. Mate, oh. looking forward to it, and I think you've done a great job, and you know you've got those uh, movie star looks and the TV smile. So I'm sure the producers are, are loving you. And um, have they offered you your own real estate show yet, Channel Nine? Well, we haven't been able to actually interact too much because of this whole COVID. It's all been over Zooms and this and that, but. Um, who knows, if we put on a good show, the door could get knocked, which would be fantastic. <laughs> Mate, I think you've got a future there, um, if you want it. Hey, um, tell me about, you probably know a little bit about me, but I've, you know, been in advertising, film production, TV, directed TV dramas and a lot of TV commercials, managed my wife, blah, blah, blah. You know, sales, marketing, advertising, branding are a big part of all of those things essentially you think you're storytelling as a director in a tv drama you have to be thinking whether it's casting decisions or all of these other things how you tell the story you've got to be conscious of who the market is who the demographic is who are you talking to what age should they be looking at diversity they're all in a way marketing and strategic decisions you've applied that to the real estate space so I mean, if you wanted to go and open an advertising agency, I, I mean, I guess your marketing agency is that in a way, but are you interested in, in doing that? And if you were to do that, what do you think that the future of the advertising, the traditional agency in that space is? Mm. Look, I mean, for us, our marketing agency is just as busy as our real estate company. And I'd say within the next 12 to 24 months, our marketing agency is probably a bigger company than our real estate. You know, we're lucky because the real estate agency creates a lot of noise because we've got content such as property, which so many people are interested in. So we have the ability to shoot so much beautiful stock and put it out there. Um, and that's actually how our marketing agency was born. Essentially, we were selling all these properties for people that were, you know, quite affluent. They had their businesses and they'd say, Marty, I love your imagery, how you're doing the videos, how you've done your website, your language. I, I think it's just fantastic. Um, could you point me to the people that sort of did that for you? And I was like, mate, you're, you're looking at him with this other guy, Aiden. And after that had been said 20, 30 times, I said to Aiden, I said, mate, would you be interested in winding up your copywriting company and starting White Fox Marketing? Because I've got the clients. We know what we're doing. We've made a successful brand out of White Fox and, you know, you've done what you've done in your career. We should come together. And, you know, he was like, you know, White Fox Marketing. Anyway, we did it. And like I said earlier, you know, we've now worked on over 75 brands from full naming, branding, tone of voice, content strat, social media management, uh, cinematography, like the whole lot. So it's now a full services company and we're acting on behalf of other real estate companies, fast moving consumer goods, builders, products. Like it's, it's just such a diverse range of clients and we haven't really pigeonholed. And, you know, even going back to that whole COVID scenario, when revenue dropped off in, in real estate, just because we weren't allowed to operate at the level that we were, Everybody needed digital content. Everybody needed a, a way to be relevant within that period of time. So our marketing agency went through the roof. So for me, it was all about diversified income and diversifying our ability to perform in a marketplace. And I can tell you, you know, right now, will I be an agent forever? No. Will I be an owner of real estate related brands and companies? Yes, because there is a feeling, there is a style, and there is a particular type of person that we do look for and hire. And it's those people that are 
thinking outside the square, bold, not necessarily from this industry. We bring people from other industries in and our aim is to continue to push and be bold in what we do. I really want to take this brand into New Zealand as of 2021. And for me, it's about the verticals within a particular sector. So in White Fox Marketing, it was about copywriting and branding. Now we're layering video content, all these other different services. Same for property. Right now, we are doing a particular service within that industry. And next year on the 1st of February, we'll be launching another vertical within the real estate space, which is just going to totally confuse people. Well, not confuse people, but just shock people with what we're doing because it'll be the first of its kind for an agency like us. And that's what it's about. It's about pushing the boundaries. People expect us to be doing something, but we're going to do something else because we're building another vertical within the business. So for companies out there, advertising, real estate, um, hospitality, whatever it might be, try and build as many verticals and product offerings to a bigger customer base. And that way you don't have to do something different. You just have to add another feather to the bow to generate more revenue for you and your company and to be able to service more people in different sectors within the industry that you're working in. I think that's the key, being able to do a few more things and use the knowledge that you already have to appeal to more people. Makes sense, mate. Watch that space, Marty. <laughs> mate, I better have that pool and gym back soon, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So tell me like the wealth creation space. I've been creating some content for a company this year called Wealth for Life and their clients absolutely love them and adore what they're doing and you know the wealth creation as a term is sort of I guess it's a little on the nose but watching this company and what they're delivering for their clients I mean it's almost probably a better term it would be wealth management or something these days wouldn't it yeah because I can see people are doing really well in that space you guys do a little bit of that but not really is that something you might be moving into no I think um, that whole wealth management space that is you know, the financial services. We actually look after quite a special firm in Melbourne, um, Hewis and Private Wealth. So they're all in that whole sector. It's not something that White Fox would ever dabble in. It's not on the radar. But if you're an individual who, you know, has a good income or multiple properties or they've come into some money, going to these firms that understand on how to plan, that's the thing. Everyone, everyone thinks that you can just do this stuff overnight. And it's not the case. If you're going to build up a portfolio or build up a nest egg or build up you know, that financial security for your family, you do need to get advice on how to structure things correctly. It could be as simple as making sure that your income is going into a particular structure so that you're protected or making sure that the asset that you're living in is perhaps not in your name if you are going out to start a business or you know, making sure that things are all in the right entities to protect you and your family. So I would highly recommend anybody to speak to companies like what you've just said because it's imperative if you are going to you know strive for for greatness within your your working life that you need to protect whatever it is that you're building yeah yeah makes sense mate hey um i touched on it earlier but just this the the tall poppy thing uh, are you feeling the the pressure of like because you've been so public in your approach to social media and how much you share and all the rest of it and um, i'm sure there's some of the more traditional and major real estate firms who you've disrupted mm. aren't particularly happy about Marty Fox. How are you dealing with that? Yeah, 
I've always been someone, even at school, I was badly teased, you know, and, and you carry that, you know, it's something that's part of your upbringing. You think, why was I teased? You know, was I, and it's just because I was different. I, I never really conformed. I'd always ask why. I always look for another way of doing something. You know, I, I never would just go with the flow, you know, which is also probably some of my detriment sometimes, you know, but at the end of the day, it's always going to happen. And if you choose to do something different, you know, you do get, when we launched the business, it was pretty bad. You know, people saying that we're going to fail, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. But ultimately, you need to be able to turn that negative energy into motivation to succeed. It's very hard, but when you look at it in a different angle, um, and as you mature, as opposed to fighting it like what I would have done as a kid at school, you use that and you go to yourself, well, if they weren't scared, they wouldn't really care, which means that they wouldn't really say anything. So, deep down, you know that you're on the right track because you've got that little bit of fear in them. But it's easier to say something negative than say something positive. But then what happens is, is as you start getting successful and you do prove yourself right, it's a different type of tall poppy where it's a little bit more strategic because the better that you get, the bigger the field is, the smarter the people will become. So it won't be as brazen, their tall poppy comments. It'll be a little bit more strategic. So you've just got to be smarter. You've got to build a really good you know, army of people around you, you know, our advisors are, are great. You know, when I started, did I have a team of advisors? No. Did I have a board for the company, a board of directors? No. Do we have it now? Do we have all of those things in check? Do we have great, you know, in-house counsel? Do we have great HR managers? Yes, we do. Because at any one point you can trip. So as you do scale, you need to build that team around you that can advise on things that can bring you down. And that's really the tall poppy in business is just being that couple steps ahead to ensure that you don't trip. Yeah, yeah, makes sense, mate. What's the thing you're personally finding most confronting at this time in your business? Um, the most confronting would be would be staff, um, not from a personality perspective, but more from a responsibility perspective. You know, rolling to next year, there'll be a lot of new people coming in to the business and, and running three different businesses as well with marketing, real estate, and this new one starting in Feb. It's just making sure that I'm not spread thin and that the people that are within these departments understand and can carry it through. It's not overwhelmed to the point where I can't handle it, but it's it's almost like excitement. I'm not nervous. I'm more like anxious. I just want to get there. I want to push fast forward and get to 2023. That's where I'm at. I just, I want to, I want to go. <laughs> That's cool. Mate, just about to wrap it up. Just tell me, I watched your first auction on YouTube and, oh. <laughs> and that was gold. So, um, look, tell us about that and, and how after that you were still like, yeah, I, I love this. I want to keep going. <laughs> Do you know what? You have to start somewhere. My first auction, it's on YouTube, Marty Fox's first auction and you can hear you can hear the pigeons in the background. There's just radio silence and it just goes to show you can't be like elite straight away. It's it's near impossible, but you have to rebound from your failures, you know, like little, little failures, but you can't laugh at someone for giving it a crack. You can't bag someone for giving it a go because have they tried? Have they done it? Have they put themselves out there? It's like social media. The best form of social media is just to be yourself. And, you know, it's who you are online has to be who you are offline. And a lot of people do that. Like, they'll come up and be like, you're just the same. 
It has to be the same. You can't have this facade of, oh, that's the Instagram version of me and then that's the real life version of me. It's all going to be the same. Online and offline, inline. And you just got to give it a crack. The first auction, I love watching it. I actually watch it probably once or twice a year because it makes me happy that I could be such a failure and then be where I am now. But it's not letting those failures like, make you get down. I probably did an auction two weeks after that and thought, let's just do it again. Back on the horse. Back on the horse. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. That's you got to keep getting yourself back up. Totally agree. Until you get to the point where you can start bringing everyone up with you. Yeah. And that's where I'm at now. I want to bring everyone up with me. Beautiful. Well, mate, this weekend, you've got probably the biggest auction of your life and uh, may the force be with you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting, but I really appreciate it. Been nice to chat. Like I said, you know, earlier in the piece, I'm kind of flat at the moment based on not having these abilities to relieve the pressure. And it's um it's one of those things and it's been good because I know that a lot of people struggle with, you know, that type of stuff and pressure and anxiety and all those sorts of things, which, you know, I really haven't had since school from from all that stuff that I, I mentioned earlier as well. But it's been amazing to chat, to actually talk about that sort of stuff and just to, you know, get pumped for next weekend and, and give it a red hot crack on national television. <laughs> no, no, it's great, mate. Look, you're an inspiration to a lot of people and, you know, it's just really nice to see someone who's a high-achieving entrepreneur but an absolute devoted family man and, you know, that's a beautiful thing. I'm lucky. Creating your own luck. Best of luck on the weekend, mate. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Look forward to catching up soon. Okay. Cheers, Marty. Thanks for joining me for another episode. I'm fascinated by the different passions that people have and what gets them out of bed in the morning. Marty's definitely on a rocket ride of success and I really enjoyed our conversation. To find out more about him, head to whitefoxrealestate.com.au or his Instagram, martyfox01. Or you can watch the finale of The Block, Channel 9, 21st of November, 2020. If you're enjoying the podcast, then please subscribe, rate, review and feel free to tell your friends or head over to the website, theblankcanvaspodcast.com.au. Until next week, live large. The Blank Canvas is produced by Lee Rogers and me, Rin MacDonald, with audio support by Jason Murphy at Gas Inc. and music by Rodrigo Bustos. This has been a Milovich production.